Welcome home, everyone. Thank you for joining in on this episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. Welcome Home is a podcast where I, your host Josh, sit down for a conversation with different people who I admire and discuss whatever's on their mind, and especially focus on life at home in times like this. Wherever you are and however you're listening, thank you for your support, and once again, welcome home. everybody thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of welcome home with the katinas Uh, just like last week i want to start off the show talking about the cousins reunion that's coming up here and from the time this episode airs it'll be about three weeks um mid-june i don't have the actual dates in front of me but uh if you're coming you know when those are and i just want to say how excited i am to see everybody excited to uh spend time getting to know some of you better and uh, time catching up with some people that I've known for a long time. I'm so excited and I know the rest of my family is really honored that there's people that are taking the time to come out and travel to Nashville, Tennessee and spend a weekend with us and we're going to give you guys the, the, the best weekend we can. And so again, I'm looking forward to that and would love to hear from any of our listeners that are coming um, that are making the trip for that, reach out to me and, and and let me know. And hopefully we can figure out a time where maybe me and some of the listeners can just kick it and, and relax. And um, you guys can listen to me talk even more, I guess. But hopefully it'll be more of me listening to you. And I know we have a lot of people who have a lot to say and some great stories. And um, But yeah, I'm really excited for that. And really excited for today's episode. Today's guest is a a first-time guest, and he's someone who, he's a part of uh, the Love Love Squared Missions, Love Squared Ministries. Um, So we've heard from quite a few of the people who are involved with that day-to-day, and he's one of them. Um, And so I'm just going to welcome him, Mr. Bradley Thurber. Bradley, thank you for being here today, man. Thanks for having me, Josh. Yeah, uh, it's cool to kind of join the list of Love Squared guys that's been on this. Yeah, it's always been fun to have you guys come in. And so so far, it's all been like young men that um, you guys all are pretty like-minded. And a a lot of the um, Love Squared guys, so you know this, uh, some of our listeners might know, not might not know, but my brother Eli is the uh, executive director of Love Squared. And so I, it's fun getting to see the guys who spend a lot of time with my brother because I spent a lot of time with him growing up. And, um, but I'm thank, thankful that you're here, man, and excited to talk to you. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I had Basic, who's um, a fellow intern of yours right now. I had him on the show, and it was interesting because... I feel I feel bad about this, but I really haven't gotten to spend a lot of time with you guys, um, even though you live here in Franklin and um, 
you're spending time with my family a lot, my brother, like I said earlier. And so I'm excited I get to sit down and uh, for our listeners, for them to get to know you, but also for me, I'm, I'm excited to get to know you, man. Um, I wanted to, to start off with just to give you a chance to kind of introduce yourself to our listeners, tell us about yourself and tell us about how you came to know the Katina family. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in a suburb of Portland, Oregon called Beaverton, lived there till I was about 16. Um, then I moved a little bit further away from downtown to a, a little place called Tualatin. And that's just where I finished up high school. So I was, you know, grew up all around the Portland area pretty much. Um, and then I went to college at a small Christian school, um, small town in Oregon called Newburgh. So the college was George Fox University. Um, graduated with psychology and played football there. So that was a great time. But yeah, always spent a lot of my time in Oregon. Um, and so the way I got connected with the Katinas actually is our inter or director of interns training, Jeremy Williams, whatever his title is. Um, he was a big young life guy and like the start of his ministry career coming out of college and I did young life in high school. And so when I went to George Fox, a lot of my connections through young life were telling me about this guy, um, named Craig. And so he was an old young life guy was then working at George Fox in the athletic department and just said, Hey, like you got to get connected, got to get connected. Um, so we finally did and he became a huge mentor for me. And then like, pretty much finals week of my senior year. I was, you know, trying to figure out all these different things to do, run into a lot of dead ends, all that stuff. And he comes to me, he goes, hey, do you want to live in Nashville for a year mentoring high school students? And that's like always been right up my alley. Like wanted to go into Young Life, wanted to go into ministry, coaching, stuff like that. So he just, he, he came to me, he said, you want to do this? And I said, yeah, no questions asked. So then he got me connected with Jeremy and Eli. And yeah, that's how I ended up here about three months later. Wow. So finals week of senior year. How long ago was that? Uh, it was about a year ago, a little over a year ago, because all the guys under me had graduation two weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So right now is like graduation season for high school and college grad grads. And I, when I think about when I was graduating high school, um, like if you didn't know what you were doing by like finals week, it was like, okay, bro, <laughs> the time is now or past. And were, were you nervous at the time of like, what am I going to do with my life or? I was a little bit. Yeah. So graduating with psychology, it's kind of, you go to grad school. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's the next step. And I knew I didn't want to do that. Um, just wasn't huge into school, but just super interested in the mind. Yeah. So chose that, not really knowing what that was going to turn into though. And then, so my senior year was the, like the first full year of COVID. COVID hit the spring before. And so they canceled my senior year of football. Mm. Um, so with that, the NCAA gave everybody an extra year of eligibility. And so I said, okay, I have an extra year. I want to keep playing football. So I thought I was going to go get my master's. Um, and so one of my Young Life connections from high school is from West Virginia, huge Mountie fan. So he was like, hey, go to West Virginia. They had a grad program in uh, sports or coaching and leadership. And so I saw that and I was like, that's that's got to be it. You know, that's sweet. Um, applied, got into the program and I was like, hey, like balls rolling. Let's go. Let's see if I can play on the team. And I didn't want to go to school just to play school or go to school. Like I wanted to do other things mm -hmm. around that. And so I was trying to figure out, you know, can I play on the team? Are there other opportunities there? And just total dead ends. 
And so that week that Craig told me about the Love Squared internship was the week where I was like, all right, I have to give up on this and figure out something else. So total just like answered prayer of me saying, all right, God, like I'm going to go at this with everything I have. If this is not where I'm supposed to be, make it super clear. Because if it's not clear, I'm going to find myself in West Virginia with nothing to do. Um, And so, yeah, like that week I'd kind of, you know, given up and was really nervous. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to West Virginia. I don't, I don't have a job lined up. I'm not going to grad school. Um, and yeah, then through just answered prayers, Craig comes to me and goes, Hey, year long internship in like in Tennessee, uh, mentoring high school students. I've always wanted to live out of the state, like checked every single box for me. Yeah. So yeah, I was pretty nervous, but it, it kind of built up to a better, you know, more climactic yeah. ending. So you're getting close to the year mark for the internship, right? Yeah, August 16th was when I got here, okay. and uh, June 30th is when I leave. Okay, so um, just I'm curious, like, how has your experience been at living as an intern? You live with your fellow intern, and just what has the experience been like for you? It's been, I mean, it's just been incredible. I didn't know what to expect really like I didn't have a whole lot of information um even in my interview process the whole you know well why do you want to work for love squared and my answer was well because Craig told me I should like I would you know I'd run through a brick wall if he told me to so I just didn't have a whole lot of information or ideas going into it um but yeah I mean it's just been you know anything I could have thought that it might have been it's 10 times better than that um just the ability to do you know, that term vocational ministry, Mm -hmm. where my job is to go spend time and step into the world of high school students Mm -hmm. and mentor them, answer the questions, all that stuff, like all these life experiences I've had. Now just getting to use that to, you know, create the next leaders, like build them up, build those relationships. Um, And living in another state, working with the Katinas has been really cool too. I mean, that's just like from a cultural perspective, that's been really eye-opening for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, a lot of our Love Squared staff is really young, and so we've just got a lot of a lot of learning to do. And I've done some leading with Young Life. Um, totally different when it's a small, you know, what six-year-old ministry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been really cool. Just got a lot of cool experiences. Opened my eyes to a lot of things that I just wasn't really expecting to learn about. So awesome, man. Well, I'm glad it's been a good experience and. Uh, glad that you know like you said it is still a very young ministry and the people that are there now are are there the impact that you're making is going to echo for a long time so um, thank you for all that you've done for love squared and are continuing to do um i uh, i think love squared has been a great thing for our family it's been a way for us to you know obviously give back to to the community that supports us um but also, like, I, I've seen growth in, obviously, my brother, and but even my dad and my uncles from Love Squared. It's, uh, it's made their, their uh, worldview bigger, I think. And yeah. so I think Love Squared is, is such an awesome thing. And i um, glad that it's someone like you and, and Basic and Dan and Eli and Jeremy that are a part of it. Um, well, thanks for the introduction. And I kind of snuck in a few questions there, but... The way that this podcast usually works um, for first-time guests is I have three questions for them. And the first two are questions, things that I'm more interested in. And then the third question is a little bit more about you. So we'll start with question one. 
And like I said earlier, we haven't had a lot of time to get to know each other. So I don't have a lot of background information on things to ask you. And so uh, this question is, I guess I could ask it to anybody, but I'm, I'm hoping, um, I think you'll have some good perspective because you're a guy who willingly moved out of state from where he grew up and came to a place. Had you ever been to Tennessee before moving here? So I took a recruiting visit to uh, Sewanee University. Okay. So, okay. but that was, you know, it was a weekend long. It was, yeah. that was it. So you so. barely knew Tennessee and yeah. you moved here and committed to living here for a year. Yeah. So, well, here's what I want to ask you. Um, I love traveling. I want to travel a lot more than I've gotten to. And I want to ask you if you could live anywhere in the world for one year, kind of how you did in Tennessee, <laughs> but anywhere in the world, money expense is not an issue. Where would it be? and why yeah that's a tough question because i haven't gotten a whole lot of experience doing any of it you know it's not like i've traveled around the u.s so i want to go out of the country or anything um i really think i would i would want to do something like more in like the united states Mm -hmm. before i would want to go to another country um so i've loved being out in tennessee and kind of just getting to explore um, I think living in the Northeast would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandparents are from Virginia, and so I've taken a trip up there and kind of driven around. And it's just like a really beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of history and culture there too. So anywhere that I can just dive into, you know, learning more about why things are the way they are. You know, what create like why is like the architecture different, the way mm-hmm. of life different, the way people think different. Like those experiences really um, just intrigue me. So yeah, I think after living in Tennessee, I think I'd probably go northeast. Cool. Are you a, are you like a history buff kind of guy, or are you just just into? Are you into history at all? I am. Yeah, yeah. that was one of my favorite subjects in high cool. school. Yeah, I I am as well. Have you gotten a chance to like learn at all about some of the Civil War history around here in Franklin? Yeah. So uh, I've had a couple people come visit me. That's usually when I take the most advantage of it. Um, but you know, there's Carnton Plantation right yeah. down the road, so I've walked that loop and kind of read about the Battle of Franklin. Um, I think it's super cool. They have all these like signs just up on the road too. So yeah. like I'm stopped at a light and I'm just reading the history of what happened in this building. Yeah. Even like, you know, there was a, my mom and sister were in town this week. So we were walking around and I learned that there's a library in downtown Franklin where the building's older than the state of Oregon is. Just stuff oh, wow. like that. Yeah. So <laughs> I've gotten a little bit into it. I haven't dove like, you know, head first, but yeah. yeah. We were definitely, so I grew up in Franklin and we didn't realize how lucky, lucky we were to have so much history here. Like all of our, all of our field trips were very cheap because all we did was take a bus to somewhere here in Franklin and and learn about you know what happened here and who who was here and all of that stuff. But um, that's cool that you'd want to go to the Northeast. I I do want to ask like you've probably been asked this before, but growing up in Oregon and moving from the Pacific Northwest to the South here, what has been like? What are the biggest differences to you, like culturally and the people? What's what's the biggest differences? Um, well, I think the first one is just being in the buckle of the Bible Belt, mm. like this idea of cultural Christianity, where you know if you're doing ministry in Oregon, there's there's a few more steps you have to take to just kind of introduce it, especially working with kids. Mm. You know, there's a there's a couple more steps you have to take to make sure that you just do it in the right way that's going to produce results and you're not just you know stepping on people's toes and going over other people just to you know scream this message out Mm. um 
And so here, I mean, just like the access that I have as an intern for a ministry is incredible. Like being able, you know, welcomed at high schools and at practices and stuff like that. You know, when I tell people that I work for a ministry, it's always met with enthusiasm mm. and more questions instead of, you know, kind of an awkward eye. Mm. Um, so I think that's been a big part too. And also just like living in Williamson County, kind of that, that, that bubble. Yeah. Um, one of the ways it's really opened my eyes is when I first got here, you know, there's every place has stereotypes about it. Mm -hmm. And especially when you come somewhere that is so drastically different from Portland, Oregon to Nashville, Tennessee, you hear all the, well, it's going to be like this. And they've got all their own stereotypes and ways of thinking. Um, but just like recognizing how like similar the people are, you know, like there might be, and especially from like a talking about Jesus perspective, you know, there might be more money in one area, more education, more, you know, general knowledge about who Jesus was. Um, but the, like the human needs are the same, you know, we all need community and to be known and to be lifted up in fellowship and all that stuff. And so I think once you get past kind of those like surface level obstacles, yeah. understanding that a lot of the roots of, like I said, you know, basic needs, but also just the things we go through, family issues, issues with friends, what it's like to go through high school and play sports and stuff like that. I mean, that's all just so similar, which I think, yeah, that's been one of the more eye-opening pieces about living down here. Mm. Um, I want to ask you because, so my, uh, my mom's from Washington State, so I've spent a little bit of time up in the Northwest. I think there's similarities between Washington and Oregon and probably some differences, but, you know, Growing up here in Tennessee, we have stereotypes about people who live out in the Northwest. And I'm sure you have stereotypes of people that live in the South. Mm. I want to ask you, name if you could name some of the things that you, the stereotypes that you heard or were expecting before you moved here. And you can be honest whether or not they're true or not. Yeah. Um, so some of them, I, I think, are kind of funny because a lot of them are portrayed poorly. Um but I love like the South, the country part of that. You know, I grew up listening to country music and, you know, admittedly like watching Hannah Montana and all oh. that stuff. So like I, since the beginning, I've always been like, oh, Tennessee is like the place to be. Oh. Um, you know, you got that redneck stereotype, yeah. which I've been some places where that's, that's very true. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I went to a, a U, the UT Georgia football game oh, and yeah. on my drive from here to there, I stopped at a lot of gas stations and restaurants and some of those places that's true. Um, you know, it's, that's the lifted trucks, it's that everybody's got some dip in their lips, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think part of it too, is a lot of the stereotypes are just rooted in like close mindedness, mm. you know, it's, oh, well they don't think like us. So their education isn't as good and stuff like that. And it's just not true. Mm. It's like, you know, maybe the way that some information is presented, um, especially doing, you know, when you're from a place where a lot of the stuff you read in history books happened here. The, you know, there's generations that are going to be telling that story differently than those who are going to be hearing it in right. Oregon with a different viewpoint. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, a lot of them are true just to, you know, they're all there for a reason. Nobody just comes up with them with no evidence. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so there's definitely some places where a lot of those just like that redneck deep South stereotype is really true. And especially in Wilco with all these, you know, Californians, a lot of it reminds me a lot, a lot of Oregon. So, yeah, well, that's been recent too. Like yeah. the, the, the wave of people from, we've had a lot of people from the West Coast and the Northeast have moved here over the last, I guess, four or five, but really the last like year and a half, two years, it's been a, a huge like 
uh, what's the word, like pilgrimage of people mm. have, have come here. And I personally love having like all these new people and seeing the growth in our communities. I know that there's like some people, well, first of all, I'll say this. There's not a lot of people who are truly from like Nashville or Franklin. A lot of people moved here at one point. I'm one of the people, I take pride in the fact I'm from Franklin. Mm. Um, and I'm excited to see all the growth here and, um, you know, hear some new perspectives and different types of people here in Franklin. It's been really exciting, but yeah, I, I do get, I do wonder like what people from Oregon or California think of people who grew up in, in Tennessee. Cause like I said, I have stereotypes. You tell me if this is, if this is rooted in reality or not. When I think of Portland, Oregon, I, f- I think that everyone's a vegan. <laughs> Is that is that true? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of that, okay. especially down. I think Portland has its own, you know, kind of like how Wilco's its own little bubble. Portland's its own little bubble too. Okay. Like you go 45 minutes outside of Portland, and it's a it's a pretty different world. Okay, but deep in the heart of Portland, it's a yeah. lot of vegans, a lot of those organic juice bars and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay, so I got that one right. <laughs> I think that. I, I imagine everyone's walking around with like colorful hair, like different colored hair. Yeah. Is that a, true? <laughs> yeah. A lot of personality in the way that, you know, hair color, a lot of tattoos, stuff yeah. like that. Um, I guess I'll just stop right there. But those uh, are, you keep I, don't going why, I don't know why those are the two things that like stick out to me about Portland. But um, I actually have a friend from college who's, he's from Portland as well. And he's back there now. I'm, I need to reach out to him and see how he's doing but okay man well thank you for you i know now that you want to move to the northeast possibly for only a year i know that um and now i'm learning that you've learned a lot about the south and um that my stereotypes about the northwest aren't too far off but um i'll move on to your second question let me ask you so you graduated if george fox is that the school with a psych degree yeah okay my, I didn't really know what my second question was going to be, but uh, I think this will be interesting to talk to someone who's spent a lot more time learning about the mind than I have. Um, looking back at your your education in psychology, um, what is, if you could tell me something about um, the human mind and the brain that a normal person like me wouldn't know if you had, if you had the chance to teach me about one thing, what would it be? Ooh, I think the one, and this is, I, I use this a lot with athletes, um, or like guys I coach or whatever. Um, the mind is just like more capable of controlling what you do than a lot of people give it credit for. I think everybody knows, you know, yeah, it sends like signals to your hands and your feet to walk and stuff like that. But even, things as simple as you know if you close your eyes and visualize yourself doing something or you watch somebody else doing it like you're you're just much more capable of doing that thing um you know i think my like my favorite fact that i learned in college is this thing's called mirror neurons and it was just this study where they they studied uh monkeys or apes or something and they had them watch somebody do a puzzle or like a rubik's cube or whatever and they can see 
patterns firing in their mind, that would be the same patterns that would show if the monkey was the actual one doing it. Like those same muscles that tell your muscles to fire were the same ones that were responding to that. So I think just this idea of like your mind can change so many things around and there's a lot of, you know, well, this is just the way I think and this is just the way I am and this is just, you know, where my mind's at or whatever. I think you have a lot more control over that than people want to give Mm. just your mind credit for. Mm. That's interesting. Um, You know, so I'm sure you talked a lot about like the nature versus nurture debate in school. I think that most people today would say that the the root of most like human behavior and habits it's it's probably a mixture of nurture versus nature um and i guess when i think about the mind and like again not an expert i I didn't study psychology but when i think about it like sometimes i do wonder like how much control over it do i really have how much of it is um working under the surface that i have no control no autonomy over and how much of it is really me um being able to to control it and manipulate my thoughts and 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 you know harness the power of my mind what's your experience when it comes to like nurture versus nature um how much of how much of who we are in our minds is is just that's just the 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 hand we were dealt and how much of it do we have control over yeah, I think uh, there. So there's a saying that we use with Love Squared called "You only know what you know," mm. and it's this idea that you know it's the same way stereotypes are created. You know, well they think this way, they think that way. I'm right or whatever. Like those people just might not have ever learned what you learned. Mm. Um, and so I think a lot of it has to do with the nurture. Mm. You know, whatever home you grow up in, whatever lessons your parents are teaching you. Like what you know, even politically, whichever which way they go and whichever information is going into your house, that's all you're gonna know. You're not gonna be able to see the other side. Um, nature is a huge part of it, obviously, genetics and temperament and just you know the way that God makes each of us individually. Um, that was a really cool piece of it going to a Christian university and studying psychology. Um, just a lot of really interesting conversations about well, yeah, there's your genetic makeup, but God also played a part in creating that. Mm. Um, and so I think a lot of it is nurture as far as you look at like once you mature, fully mature. I mean, like I said, you only know what you know. And so I think we have a lot of, you know, expectations of people should think one way and people should think another way. And, you know, this the comment that's going out right now of, oh, do your own research, mm-hmm. which has been said for so many things over the past four years. <laughs> like if people don't know what to look at or mm-hmm. like the only information they know is the stuff that's being fed to them. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the long way of saying like, yeah, it's it's yes and for nature and nurture. But I think it I would personally say it leans more towards nurture. Mm. But I am also not a psychology expert for anybody listening. Like I got my bachelor's degree. Hey, that's more than 99 percent. Yeah, of yeah but just because I chose psychology does not mean I all of a sudden turn into an A plus student. So yeah. um, are you aware of uh, are you aware of Neuralink? Have you ever heard of Neuralink? I might yeah, refresh me. Um, it's a. It's a company started by Elon Musk um, that they're they're developing a product that it's from my understanding, it's basically like a brain implant. Um, And the goal, I, I think I think they don't even know how far it can go, really. But 
they say that they they believe that they're going to be able to develop a technology that um, eventually, like for people who are paralyzed with brain injuries, would be able to fix that, um, be able to restore the brain. And um, that's like just the beginning phase of it. From your knowledge of how the brain works, do you think something like that is possible? That we that humans could develop something that can go into your brain and uh, and I guess interface with the brain and be able to help you help like someone who's paralyzed walk again or things like that. Do you do you think that's possible? Yeah, I think I think it's possible, and I think it's a lot closer than a lot of people think. Mm. Um, but that also like I mean because. Even something, I guess, not simple. I don't know any idea how he did it. But one of my best friends in college, as a junior in college, um, created a prosthetic arm that moved off of your brainwaves. Wow. Like he was just, you know, there's there's just technology now that is like commonly used where you can link your brainwaves and control an arm and it all sends out electric signals and pulses and stuff. Um, that conversation about if they could like fix a damaged brain mm-hmm. is super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um I'm a little more old school. Like I'm, you know, don't even trust credit cards because what yeah. if the power goes out? How are you yeah. going to pay for anything? So as far as all that technology goes, like I'm not super invested in that. But if Elon Musk is invested in it, like I think there's a pretty good chance that it's possible. Yeah, I think you're probably right that there's a lot of technology that we think is like, oh, that's a hundred years away. That's a thousand years away. That is probably right around the corner. So mm-hmm. I don't know about how Neuralink's going to work out, but just knowing how technology has been advancing so rapidly over the last 40 years, I think the next 40 years are probably going to bring things that we, we can't even conceive right now. But, well, thanks for talking about brains with me. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> I love talking about this um, stuff. That's your first two questions. And um, like I said earlier, your, your third question is... Um, it's really what this podcast is all about. This podcast is about the guests, and um, I, I ask all of my guests this question. And so it's super open-ended for a reason, because I want you to be able to talk about whatever you want to talk about. But the question is this, what's going on at home? Yeah, so home, as far as like Oregon goes, things that are going on, most of my family has COVID right now, so that's not oh, great. But there's a, there's kind of a lot going, especially because I'm, you know, five weeks away from moving back there. Um, so just figuring out, you know, a job. It looks like I've got a really cool opportunity to work at a ranch that I've been at for the past few years. Awesome. Um, but combining what Love Squared does within that. So kind of turning it into a ranch slash, you know, discipleship training center. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've got a girlfriend back home too. She just finished up her first year of physical therapy school. So super, you know, proud of her and excited about that. Um, but yeah, and then as far as home in Tennessee goes, it's been a, it's been a like a really great past month, I think, because I don't know what the magic number is, but when you meet new people that you're going to live with, so with Basic and Daniel, like there's a warming up period, and then there's like a you know an intimacy period where mm. you finally like break through that wall, and it's yeah. like oh, I feel comfortable talking about anything. Huh. Um, and we've just had some really fun conversations about who God is, Mm. um, talking about, you know, pulling God into different conspiracy theories and what would he say about this and would he allow this? Um, and so I think the, just the bond between me and like the other love squared staff over this past month has gotten really close. Um, 
which, you know, of course it would, because as, as I'm about to leave, of course, we'd yeah. get super close and all that. Um, but yeah, things at home have just been going really well. And I think there's been probably more growth in these past couple months than there were in the first seven, just because there was a lot of learning and figuring out how to work with other people. Um, but once you hit that, that point in relationships where it's like, oh, I can talk to other people about anything, mm-hmm. there's, there's more of a sense of comfort for me uh, not just in the fact that who I am will be, you know, lifted up and encouraged, but also the fact that, you know, I can talk to these guys about anything. Yeah. Um, so basic and I as interns have gotten a lot closer cause he was also in this same space of what am I going to do next year? Mm-hmm. And so we've had some great conversations about, you know, how do you listen to what God is telling you and how do you take your own personal responsibility in that? Um, you know, what are your fears? What's it going to be like if you stay here, or go back home and leaving family? He's got a girlfriend back home too. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about the future with my family, you know, with my girlfriend, like looking like we might get married soon. That'd be super exciting, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, where will I live? What will I do? Um, so there's been... It's been a lot of questions. We had a, a a Love Squared like spring camp about two months ago, yeah. and it was this kind of this turning point because up until then, everything that was in that next step of the internship was kind of you know closed in a box. Mm-hmm. It was we got camp coming up, have to nail it. Don't think about anything else, mm-hmm. you know. And then camp ended, and that box just opened, yeah. and it was this terrifying time of. Oh, we actually have to address all those questions now. Mm. Um, but within that, you know, when you're when you're back up against the wall or you're getting stressed with a, a group of people that you're close with, like there's just been a lot of really cool moments of just growth and you know really strong relationships, um, just going through the unknown together um, and learning about who God is. You know, learning about what His plan is for my life and how He responds and speaks to me personally. Um, so yeah, that's like, I, I just think this last two months, you know, if I had to pick a, a theme for what's going on at home, it's just been a lot of growth. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite parts of what I know about the internship is the fact that you're actually living with each other and you're, you're not just, you don't just see each other from nine to five or whatever. You're not uh, coworkers. You guys really are living together. And the reason why I think that's so cool and also important is because from my experience a lot of the things that um a lot of the revelations i've had about who god is have come from being around other people and seeing god in other people seeing um his thumbprint in their lives i've learned a lot about god through that and uh, i think like this is a different level, but like just being married. I got married last August. Um, I've learned a lot about who, who God is. And a lot of things have been revealed to me about God just by living with my wife and like seeing different sides of her that I never saw before I lived with her. And um, But I want to ask you, like, how has your view of who God is, how has that changed over the last, what is it like? eight months now or 10 months, whatever it is. Yeah, I think it's, uh, so I grew up Christian household. My mom, very, you know, in love with Jesus, um, went to church every day. And so it kind of became this unconscious thing for me, even, you know, going to a Christian university, like I, I had to go to church, I had to go to chapel. Um, 
there weren't a lot of opportunities for me to make my own decisions. And so when you go from that to, okay, now I'm 2,700 miles away from anybody who had any influence in my walk with God, like it forced me to ask myself a lot of tough questions um, that I just didn't have to. You know, there was a, growing up, it was a lot of just, oh, well, that's what, that's what they told me. So I guess mm-hmm. that's true. Um, but, and the other part of that is just diving into, you know, the world and the life of kids, mm. the stuff that they go through and having to wrestle with that. And, you know, when a kid comes to you and says, Hey, why would God let this happen? Mm. You know, that forces me to spend time and go, well, has that happened in my life? And what did God say to me? Um, so I think just kind of this, I, I think the number one thing that I've probably had a better understanding of is this idea of you know, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity being three in one, being everywhere, always. Mm. This idea that, you know, you don't have to go to church to spend time with Jesus. You don't have to set a timer to read your Bible to spend time with Jesus. You know, it can be driving in the car. Um, You know, the power of prayer has been huge. You know, when we have I think we got like 40 kids across our three schools involved with Love Squared consistently. And when something goes on, the amount of times that we've just spent time in prayer um, and naturally, you know, we go, okay, how do we fix this situation ourselves? Mm. We pray about it, then we try and fix it ourselves. And then right as we think we figured out how to fix it ourselves, God fixes it in a way that was 10 times better Mm. than anything, you know, whatever we were trying to like plan. Um, And just this idea that like, like you said, you know, God's fingerprint is on so much more than just those little times that you choose to, you know, spend time with yeah. him. It's, you know, walking walking schools and praying for those schools mm. and seeing what comes out of that. Mm. Um, so I think this, uh, I don't know if I would call it blind faith, but like I said, you know, just like this unconscious faith that I had growing up has really turned into just a stronger understanding of why I believe, you know, why I choose to do the things I do. Um, and yeah, just what, you know, how God is working in my life every single day, everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, um, so you grew up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. I feel like that growing up in a Christian home in Oregon means something different than growing up in a Christian home here. And I think you know what I mean. And I think that there's, you know, I grew up in a Christian home as well. And a lot of my friends did as well growing up. Um, And I think that there are pros and cons to that. I think that there's, you said it earlier in our conversation about like cultural Christianity. That's something that is like woven into the fabric of Williamson County and, and the South and you know, I think that that is great for some things, but I also find that it can be unhealthy sometimes. And I'm curious, like, now that you've been spending time with kids that are here, um, a lot of them probably either grew up in Christian households or they've been exposed to the gospel many times before you. Um, What are some of the challenges that you face when trying to talk about God with kids who grew up in a place where uh, everyone claims to know who God is. I think when you, what I've learned is when you grow up in a place that is so rooted in the salvation of Jesus, 
there's kind of, it seems like there's this, you know, sense of, you know, you, you can't really show anything. Like there's not a lot of, I guess, honesty mm. is what I've found, mm. you know? So in Oregon, you know, this whole movement of burying your scars and burying your brokenness and wearing it on your sleeve, um, it can be positive, you know, so in some sense, it's great to be honest with everybody all the time. But at the same time, it kind of builds up this numbness Mm -hmm. to, you know, well, you know, my parents are divorced, but it's okay. You know, it's or, you know, I'm this way, but it's okay. You know, so there's there's that aspect of it. But when you grow up in a place that everybody's Christian, everybody says, you know, you have to be like Jesus, this is the way of life. If you're not and you're struggling with that, mm. I've found it's a lot harder to get somebody to open up about that. Mm. Um, you know, I've had plenty of conversations with people that say, oh, well, I grew up in a Christian household, but no, nobody ever asked me about my faith. Mm. It's always just this assumption of, yeah, they go to church, they're Christian, they're fine. You know, they're doing great. Um, but really, as we've, you know, just spent this year asking tough questions and and just building relationships more so than just inviting them to what we do, but actually stepping into what they're doing. I've seen a lot of uh, kids just open up about, you know, life is not as great as, you know, I try and hold it to be. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I love talking to people who aren't from here, just about the culture here, because um, it's hard to like see outside of what you kind of have, what we were talking about with the nature and nurture thing. It's hard to see things from an outside perspective when I just grew up in this. Um, but thanks for talking about that with me. I wanted to, so you have a girlfriend. How long have you been with her together with her? Let's see. We hit two months in February or late January or two years, sorry, okay. two years, <laughs> yeah, yeah, two years in January. Okay. And so going on about, yeah, two and over a half. two years. Now. Yeah. So over two years. Is she, uh, back in Oregon or? Yeah, she is. So she, like me, born and raised okay. similar area. We actually went to rival high schools, okay. um, but didn't know each other until we went to college together. Okay. So, um, how has it been doing the long distance thing? Awful. Yeah. Just awful. I mean, I was kind of being, you know, a little bit like blind about it, you know, say, Oh, we can do it. We can, you know, write letters, we'll text and we'll FaceTime, especially, you know, in the, how much technology we have around us, it doesn't seem like it would be that hard to stay in contact. Um, but we kind of just had this reality check really fast where the more we try and pretend like we can make it be okay, the more stressed we're going to be. Um, And so I think about two months in, in like October, early November, we just hit this point where it's like, this is just going to suck. Like, and let's just be open about it and let's let each other know when we're struggling and how we're doing and just share that with each other instead of trying to, you know, strategize and find these game plans to make it okay because no relationship is supposed to be across the country. Yeah. So it's doable, but it's, it's not good. Yeah. I think that people from our generation who we grew up with, you know, technologies available to us that our parents didn't like, I think we think that, you know, oh, FaceTime, it's just as good as, as going to coffee together. It's the same thing. And especially since the pandemic happened, like everything was virtual for a lot of people for, you know, at least a year. And so, um, we've kind of 
we've learned uh, as a society how to kind of function through virtual chats and FaceTimes and stuff. But I think when you're in a long distance relationship, you really realize, wow, it's hard to replace like true face to real FaceTime. It's hard to replace that. And, um, you know, but at the same time, so I did, I was long distance with Alexis, who's my wife now when we were dating for a semester of college. I had graduated from college, moved back here. She hadn't graduated left yet, so she wasn't all the way in Oregon, but she was still far enough to where I wasn't seeing her but very often. And um, I think I agree, it's not the ideal way to have a relationship. Um, but if you can make it, if you can stick it out, I think we did grow closer together through that semester of being apart. And um, when we were finally back living in the same vicinity again, uh, I, I was, I realized that I, I had taken that for granted um, before. And so I think whenever it is you guys, you and your girlfriend are back closer together, you guys will find that your time together is, you're able to cherish it more and appreciate it more. Um, yeah, uh, when I was before I got ready to leave, Craig, the guy from George Fox, he told me he said, "Distance to a relationship is like wind to a flame. Mm. If it's weak, it'll extinguish it, but if it's strong, it'll grow it." Mm. And it's been super encouraging to see that, like this is super hard, but we've gone through it together. Um, and so yeah, when I go back in five weeks, like it's gonna be you know just rejoicing, yeah. and it's gonna be so great. But it's just been encouraging to see that oh like we if we can do this, there's there's not much we can't do. Yeah. Um, how old are you? Twenty three. Twenty three. So, um, I I don't know your girlfriend, but I'm curious like, what did it what is it about her that you know like this is someone who. At 23 years old, you know, you know, I really enjoy being around this girl. What are the qualities about her that you looked that you were looking for that she has? Yeah. So uh, and this is going to sound repetitive. A lot of my information is passed on from Craig. Okay. Super wise guy. But <laughs> he was just, yeah, <laughs> he, he was our camp speaker uh, this spring for Love Square, okay. like one of my best friends. But he and I were having this conversation and he said, you know, when you go through your life and childhood, there's certain needs you have that aren't met. And essentially the top three of those needs, once you find somebody that fills those, that's, you know, that's who you're going to marry hmm. because that's, what's going to complete you because you don't need extra of these other things yeah. you need to get to baseline with these three things. Hmm. Um, and so with Molly, yeah, one of the big things, um, was her honesty. Mm. Like I need somebody that was going to tell me the truth to my face, um, at all times, you know, and she is just one of like the most, just like toughest, like strongest. And it's really funny cause she's, you know, like five, two. And so she's really small, but she's really strong. Mm. Um, and it's just, yeah, she's willing to, no matter what, she's not intimidated than me at all. Uh, you know, growing up, I, I like to think of myself as a little bit of like a smooth talker <laughs> and she just, she said none of that, no. you know, we're going to, we're going to get the real you. Yeah. Um, I think the second thing is like just emotional security. Um, you know, she's one of the few people that I feel comfortable just crying with mm. and getting emotional with. Mm. And it's because like, I feel, so this is the third thing, you know, I just feel so heard mm. with her. Like, I feel like she understands me and knows me and with that you know it feels like she cares about me and 
if, you know, something like even just crying where I can think I'm not going to show that, mm-hmm. you know, cause I don't want them to think I'm weak with her. It's like, I, I can be vulnerable with her and show her what I'm actually going through. Yeah. That's awesome for you, man. I, I wanted to ask you that because I think, you know, dating for young men today is I've said, I've talked to like single guys our age, like, how do you meet girls? What are you looking for? Because I, I met Alexis. Uh, well, I started dating Alexis when I was 22, I think. So like, and we've been together ever since. And, you know, I never really had to think much about, I knew that Alexis was the girl I wanted to be with pretty early on in our relationship. And so I never really had to have that conversation with myself. Like, what are you looking for in a girl? And, uh, I think if I was single today, um, one, it would be really hard to meet girls, but also I, it would be hard to like, um, it'd be hard for me to articulate what it is that I'm looking for because with Alexis, I just knew that's what I wanted. And I could say things about her now that I think are really healthy and really good for me and that have helped me to grow, um, and become a better man. But if I, if I didn't know her, I probably wouldn't have known that that's what I wanted. If that's what I mean, if that makes sense to you. But, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of young men our age that young single men that are trying to meet girls. And, um, I think hopefully if they're listening, they'll hear that, um, to look for the things that, that you need, that kind of how Craig said, those, what are those three things that you need to get you back to baseline? And, um, so I, uh, Molly sounds great. <laughs> she is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we are almost out of time and I'll, uh, finish it off with, finish our time off with one more question for you. This is a question that I've asked a few of my guests before, and it's something that I really like to talk to people about because it's something that's important to me and that's dreams. Um, I love to talk with people about what they're dreaming about. And so I want to ask you at 23 years old, Bradley, what is your dream? Well, I think my dream right now is we're thinking about, you know, going back home and what that looks like. This image of what we've got going with Love Squared and, you know, I know Eli's got his dream. He wants this thing everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm kind of hopping on board of that with him. You know, this idea that we could go into, it doesn't have to be a ministry. It can be somewhere like a ranch. Mm-hmm. And we can, you know, just train leaders. Like, I, I think the biggest thing I'm dreaming about is just having the same impact on communities that all the, the mentors I had growing mm-hmm. up had. Mm-hmm. You know, walking down the street and seeing, you know, 15 kids that I know by name that just I care about. Um, and, you know, going to high school games and seeing parents and all that stuff. You know, just this idea of it doesn't really matter what it looks like or what I'm doing. But yeah, I just really have this longing. And part of this just comes from, you know, the stuff I went through as a kid growing up. There's a lot of, you know, middle school to high school age kids right now that are going through some rough stuff. They either don't know how damaging it is or just don't know how to process it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just kind of looking for ways to be able to step into that in whatever community it is. Um, 
and, you know, be the same guy for those kids that I had, you know, I, my whole testimony is based off my parents getting divorced and God throwing other father figures in, mm-hmm. you know, from sixth grade with one of my youth pastors picking me up and taking me to five guys every single Friday mm-hmm. to, you know, then my other youth pastor and a young life leader shooting hoops with me and being my basketball coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, just the impact that those had on me with becoming who I am, you know, becoming a, a young man that can, you know, know what he wants and is confident and is able to, you know, articulate his ideas and his thoughts and really just loves other people well, that is not any of my own doing. You know, that's not because I read a book or that's not because I put myself in those situations. It's because God took control of my life and said, hey, this is what you need and I'm going to make sure you have it whether you want it or not. And so I would just want to be one of those guys that for that kid that is missing something doesn't know what he needs and is too scared to open up about it, God says, hey, I'm going to give you exactly what you need, whether you want it or not. And I want to be, you know, the the guy that he uses to do that for those kids. Awesome, man. Keep dreaming, bro. I think that's a good place for us to end. And I want to thank you again for coming and taking the time to talk with me. And uh, I don't know if we'll get to do it again before your, the internship is over, but uh, whatever the future holds for you, man, I... Um, I'll be praying for you and I know that God's going to do amazing things through through your life. So thanks again for being here. And thanks for having me, Josh. Yep. For those of you listening, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with more episodes soon. Have a great day.